probably the highlight for me, the Chucklow. Really just got something about it. Now they finished the Planet of the Apes trilogy in July and uh, I've been catching up on my blockbusters. So I gave it a, a whirl last night. Um, it's been one of the most consistent reboots. I thought um, the first Star Trek reboot was brilliant and the second one was I thought pretty bad and I thought the first third one was a bit average. Um, but this one is not not done anything wrong really. Um, if obviously the first one um, started with Anthony Circus's Caesar, one of the great characters of the modern era and one of the great performances in the mo modern era. Uh, he came to be able to talk in a zoo and uh, uh, with the advent of um, a virus attacking humanity, um, the apes set off into the wilderness and set up these societies in the forests. And in the second one, they actually ended up having battles with humans. The second one, although I said they don't put a foot wrong and I, I couldn't pick a flaw with the second one, I didn't find it very involving. It was a film I watched I, less, I admired more than I enjoyed. I think part of that was that it felt quite small. It was like they were in the forest and then they were attacking this like one building in the, in the um, where the humans were holed up and it didn't seem to have much breadth of scope outside it. This third film, which is also directed by Matt Reeves, I don't know who did the first, um, this one is epic, absolutely epic in scope. Uh, the director's got a, an okay pedigree ever before this. Cloverfield was an entertaining sci-fi, I wouldn't, probably sit through it again that was one of those handheld footage films with a monster attack on new york but pretty influential film and then he did a film i've never seen let me in which was a remake of the absolutely outstanding let the right one in uh, was it a danish vampire film really 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 original film apparently he did a good job and since then he's been um doing the apes movies he did do the sequel to cloverfield which was 10 cloverfield lane which is again really interesting film a little bit better, but not great. And he's a uh, guy that's signed on to do the Batman, which is, I think, Baffleck is staying in the role. I'm not sure. I didn't think he was that great as Batman, to be honest. Um, so War for the Planet of the Apes takes off. Um, is a little bit of a sort of... He could have started there, really. They're in the, the apes are in the woods, and the uh, humans are coming after them. And there have been these um, alpha forces, which are some of the remnants of the toughest of the army that go through and try and wipe out any um, apes left in existence. And they attack right at the start. You get seconds before you're in the middle of a, a, a huge battle. Um, and they, the apes actually repel this alpha force through um, superior tactics and so on. And Caesar's obviously a really intelligent ape. Um, much more intelligent than virtually all of the humans, who, by the way, aren't in this that much compared to the others. Particularly, uh, the first film was 90% human, 10% ape, and this one is definitely the opposite way around. Um, but after that, the Alpha Force come back and kill a whole load of their children, including Caesar's son and wife, which um, then leads them to split they, um, the, the ape community in the woods, um, head off to this new nirvana somewhere else where they're going to be safe, a, a well-worn trope. And Caesar himself goes off to exact revenge and kill this mysterious guy called the Colonel that leads the Alpha Force and was responsible for just butchering them for no real reason. He's played by Woody Harrelson. Um, and the, it then, it, the weirdest, and like one of the best things about it is that it seems to change movie every half an hour. It's It goes from like... You, the, the forest scenes to these like 
they end up on this like road trip scenario where there's uh, the other, some of the other apes catch up with Caesar and they um, they progress through this uh, sort of post-apocalyptic wasteland where there's hardly any people left and and everyone's armed to the teeth and it's all danger everywhere. And along the way, he picks up a human sidekick who is basically the character Newt from the Aliens movies. He kills her dad and she's been affected by this new virus. One of the viruses wiped out all of humanity. Well, not sorry, didn't, it affected all of humanity. It didn't wipe out everyone. It left you know, a small percentage of people alive. But there's a mutated version of it which robs people of um, the ability to speak and also their faculties of thought. And this girl's basically semi-comatose, but still, still able to... It regresses people to being what in old parlance was simpletons and they can't talk or anything. And she is taken along for the ride because that's exactly what you want to do when you're attacking a high-profile military facility. And um, he picks up a band of strugglers along the way. Um, the Searchers is another good reference point for this movie, as is Star Wars, because he picks up these people on the way and they form this sort of ragtag group going after the equivalent of a Death Star, um, which is this army base where the colonel and his troops are holed up. Um, and a, a lot, the, the plot doesn't follow very obvious stuff all the time, so I won't give away much of the, of the story if you haven't seen it. There's quite a lot of surprising story elements to it, which is one of the high points of the movie for me. Um, so from then on in, it's um, even throws in Apocalypse Now. There's a very sort of Colonel Kurtz feel to the compound and Woody Harrelson's character, who we find has gone very much off the grid as far as everybody's concerned and maintains this sort of like otherworldly facility where he is a god and acts like a god as well and, and gives pronouncements like god, a god. Um, just very much sort of like the Marlon Brando of Apocalypse Now character as well. And there's also um, Incredible Battle as well, which is uh, that whole bit reminded me of the end of the Two Towers, the Lord of the Rings movie, where they have that massive battle. It's nowhere near as big or as long as that battle, but it certainly had elements of that, all of those films in it, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, there's lots and lots to love about this. It's very intelligent. It's, ve it's almost entirely character-driven, which, considering it's a film where most of the screen time are apes, um, like the CGI on them is amazing. Anthony Serkis is again going to be troubling the Oscars with uh, the first ever CGI performance to get given an, uh, an Oscar nomination because it came up first with Gollum uh, and he never got one for that and then he gave an equally brilliant performance as King Kong and his, this is his crowning achievement. Caesar is a wonderful characterization, and you look on his face like they basically put all of these dots all over your face so that they can, you have to act but they map it onto this amazing technology that they've got now to actually um, recreate uh, an ape's face from the human emotions as well. It's brilliantly done. Some of the, um, like the orangutan's face on it, you could just stare at it all day. It's so beautifully rendered. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it follows an unusual path, and I was pleasantly surprised by it jinking left and right every now and again and, and offering up different elements it's like lots of different little movies in one um the cinematography is breathtaking i really loved um hunt for the wilder people last year where the way they shot the forest 
It wasn't picture postcard. There was lots of grimy scraps of leaves everywhere. It was wet. It was misty all the time and cold and drizzly. And they do that here, and it just looks like you're walking through a forest. It feels like it. And it moves through lots of different stages. Yet another movie it references is The Revenant, because they end up in, uh, for probably the back third of the movie, in the snow and in snow-capped mountains and everything as well. Um, and they're sort of trudging through this harsher and harsher environment. There's some beautiful shots of beaches as well. It's a really wide-ranging film, visually, emotionally. The music is very, very good. Who did that? Did you hear that? Michael Giacchino. Someone shouting shotgun is not a good thing to hear when you're on air. Michael Giacchino does a lovely job with the soundtrack on this as well. Uh, the director, Matt Reeves, is very shorthand on this. And I thought uh, the performances circus was brilliant. Um, Steve Zahn, as well as Bad Ape, was, was really, really, really good in this. Um, who was the guy? Oh, uh, Woody Harrelson plays, he pops up in movies with this same sort of character a lot. The sort of scenery-chewing character that just arrives, you know, either at the first third of the movie, the last third of the movie. He was in, like, the Hunger Games sort of thing, and he, he he's, he's kind of a bit, you know, been there, done that, Woody, try and take on a bigger role. This is a meteor role. He plays quite a dark character. A bit too much exposition, like uh, Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now just came at you with, from right angles with T.S. Eliot quotes and stuff like that. Harrison's a bit more sort of like, this is what's happening, this is why it's happening, and, and uh, it's all expositional dialogue, but it's a darker role for him. And I think he does really well in it as well. There's like one of the best sequences in the film, which must be about 10 minutes long, is him talking to um, Anthony Circus's Caesar, which is really, really good to a throw of ideas because he's, he's the guy that murdered Caesar's uh, wife and child. And they have these wonderful backwards and back and forths. Um, there's a lot to love. The things that would stop me from being an absolute masterpiece, um, sometimes like it, it's both a plus and a minus that it's so many different movies because sometimes I feel, oh, I get that. And other times I feel like that's a little bit shoehorned in. Um, and it's the same with some of the um, plot points as well. Most of them are really good, but the, uh, the occasional ones that, that jut out. I wonder if everything I didn't rate as being excellent, and there's nothing that isn't really good about this film, but the stuff that I didn't rate as excellent felt like studio interference to me. Like, for instance, uh, Steve Zahn, who plays Bad Ape, when he first appears on the s scene, he's magnificent, and he has this whole long sequence of Caesar... And he's been on his own for 15 years and details how he's been in these uh, zoos and facilities and had lost his child as well. And it's quite dark and it's quite quite moving and there's a big connection between them. And from that point on, every time he's on screen, they make him the comedy character. And it's like he's doing knockabout jokes, Jar Jar Binksy sort of stuff. And you think, what happened to that other guy? That other guy was so interesting. Why did you relegate? This guy's giving a great performance. And now you're just making him do whoop noises and sort of that kind of stuff. So it, it kind of felt like someone's watched it and said, this is a really dour film. It is. Let's have some comedy. And the comedy, it, like if someone's making a dour film, shoehorning knockabout laughable characters doesn't work really because it really stands out. And there were a few elements in it that stood out too much for me. Um, and I thought the ending got a bit noble as well. 
Um, the whole sort of last half hour is one brilliant. It's really exciting. It's really satisfying. It's, it's spectacular. Um, I felt like they could have pushed it a tiny bit more, just the tiniest bit more. Um, and some of the references as well, I was sort of like, there's a sequence where all the apes are thrown poo and at uh, the soldier, and I thought, yeah, that's pretty funny, but at the same time, it's a little bit cheesy because it's kind of like everyone says monkeys through. Anyway, it's a great film. It's 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 just tiny moments, and it's also it's it's got sequences where I'm enthralled and staring at the screen for like half an hour straight. And then with a lot of these movies, like it's nowhere near the revenant for this. But when they do these journey films. They can repeat themselves quite a lot. It's like I've seen you doing the camp, sitting around the campfire, the loading up the horses, the moving on, the going through the terrain, the going through the snow, and it, those sometimes those bits were a little bit deader. It's a long film, over two, I think it's two hours twenty five minutes, but it, it does earn it. It's got a lot of story and, and a surprising story. So I'm going to give Planet of the Apes. I'm torn between eight and a half and nine, but I'm going to give it eight and a half. I think there were was the odd moment here and there. I think that's what I gave Wonder Woman. That would be perfect for me because I would say that I enjoyed both films as much and perhaps giving Dunkirk a nine last week was more out of admiration than love, come to think of it, even though it probably does deserve it. So that's eight and a half out of ten from an excellent, hugely intelligent, thoughtful and in, and for me much more engaging than the second Planet of the Apes movie, War of the Planet of the Apes, eight and a half out of ten. And this is from Brazilian maestro Gilberto Gil from his second album, I think, uh, which came out in 68 and featured um, a lot of uh, very prominent...